Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. This podcast is sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS, a 21-day plan that takes you step-by-step through healing and thriving with PCOS. It's all in there waiting for you, beginning with the three keys to living your best life as a PCOS diva. For more details, visit HealingPCOS.com. So today we have a really special guest and somebody that um, I met through the online social media um, community. She's a woman with PCOS and actually has a really fantastic um, Facebook page that I really love following. So I, I encourage you to follow her, um, her social media um, feeds as well. But um, very happy to have Carrie Forrest on the show today. She's the creator of the blog Clean Eating Kitchen, where she shares gluten and dairy-free recipes and resources. And Carrie is also the host of the Clean Eating for Women podcast designed to inspire women to take control over their health with a focus on holistic health. And I'm so excited for Carrie to share her story. Um, it's very powerful uh, how she went from struggling with emotional eating and eating disorders and PCOS and, and autoimmune issues to really um, thriving. And you know, I find these, these inspirational stories really inspiring for me to keep me moving forward, and I think you will too. So welcome, Carrie, to the PCOS Diva podcast. Thank you, Amy. It is such an honor to be here, and it's such an honor to connect with you because I have really been very focused on my PCOS recovery and management for about, I would say, three solid years, the last three solid years, although I really suffered with PCOS uh, symptoms and all everything that comes along with that really since I was about 11, and I'm 43 now, so we're talking about three decades. But the last three years, I finally made a commitment to managing my PCOS, and your website and your podcast has been so um, intimately connected with my recovery and management. So um, it's an honor to be here, and I'm just very grateful for all the resources that you've put out there for women. Okay. Well, I'm just so happy that it, it helped you. Um, you know, I think what you said about it's, it's been kind of the last three years, it's been a journey towards healing and, and recovering. Um, and I just, you know, I, I think that's a good point. I think so many of us are kind of looking for that quick fix magic pill. Um, but, you know, you're really here today to kind of tell us that, that you just, um, you know, taking small, consistent steps over time, it can happen, but it's, but it takes some time. Um, and, you know, I just don't want people to get discouraged if it's not happening for, happening for them um, overnight, because it does take some time to heal. 
It does, and um, I love that we're going to focus on this uh, disordered eating, eating disorder, emotional eating um, component, because that's really been probably the key to um, my long-term recovery, and I think, so I think um, it's an issue that a lot of women have. And I mean, I've talked to, I am not a practitioner. I'm, you know, a woman like you. I, ha I do have a master's degree in public health nutrition, but I'm not, you know, like a, a clinician. I'm, I'm kind of like, all my interest is based around um, my own healing. And then I try to share what I learn with other women who might be suffering. But I mean, I've talked to clinicians who they estimate that you know 80 to 90% of women can have these emotional eating tendencies and so it's i mean in that sense geez it's like an epidemic and um since it was this management of my eating disorder or kind of like i guess recovery um has been so key to my success so i just um love that we're kind of i mean you're giving me a space to talk about it and so it doesn't have to be um, something that women have to hide from because I hid from, I mean, I hid my eating disorder for a very long time. Yeah, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of shame around disordered eating. And, and you're right, I, you know, the 80%, 90% of women, and I would, you know, so many women, and I, there, are, there are statistics out there, I don't have them in front of me, but women with PCOS that have disordered eating patterns, um, a ma vast majority, uh, you know, I think a lot of it stems from blood sugar and hormonal imbalances. Um, but then, you know, I write about this in my book, I think a lot of it too stems from our, this feeling of, of not being enough. Um, you know, we're not good enough or... Um, it's kind of the, the, the flip side of that is trying um, to achieve perfection. And I know for years I tried to be a perfect Weight Watcher. And, you know, if I, if I did it, if I used up all my points by the end of the day on Monday, then, you know, I would throw the towel in um, for the rest of the week. And um, it, a lot of my disordered eating was driven by perfectionism. And I know we're going to talk about that. Um, so, you know, I think that for a lot of women that are listening, they're, they're going to be able to relate with what you say. Um, and I just want, um, you know, to, to open the dialogue and kind of come out of the closet around emotional and disordered eating and kind of take that shame away um, and to know that, that you can take steps to heal. So, Carrie, why don't you start from the beginning of your story? Like, when, when did you start noticing kind of a, um, this sort of uh, relationship with food for you? Yeah, so, um, and also just to kind of give women an overview, um, disordered eating can, it can range, you know, it's like a, it's almost like a spectrum. It can be anything from having a fear of food, and it can it can also go to the very extreme, which I've had uh, like diagnosable eating disorder. So we can, um, I'll talk to you about my experience with binge eating disorder, as well as I actually have had several diagnosable eating disorders. I mean, I'm laughing because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, but I did and they were at different points in my life. But um, so just so women kind of 
um, you know, if you're listening, you're like, what is an eating disorder? It, you know, it can be a range of, of different things. But so for me, my first experience with an eating disorder um, was binge eating disorder. And it started very early. I was about 10 years old. And um, it was, it coincided with an extreme uh, stress family event where my, um, my dad went through a bankruptcy and then it um, extended to our personal finances. So we lost our home. We had to move. Um, my sister and I had to move in with relatives for a year. And so unfortunately, this was also um, like when I was going through puberty, I was kind of at the beginning. So that actually ended up, I think, also um, coinciding with the start of my PCOS because I really never had a normal menstrual cycle. Um, so I had binge eating disorder. And for me, that meant that I would um, buy candy. I mean, it was like I was babysitting. So that was all the money that I had. But I, was, I would, you know, secretly get to the store. Um, I would buy a bag, like a Halloween-sized bag of candy, and then would consume all that in like one or two um, sittings, you know, so like within like a half an hour. And then that habit became like my way of coping with the family chaos. So um, obviously like eating not a much amount of sugar was not good for my blood sugar. And so I think maybe that kicked off my PCOS. Um, and that um, habit, like that binge eating disorder, it did extend to like a perfectionist um, I don't know if I was always, I don't think I was always a perfectionist, but um, it just became my way of coping with stress. And then I was also a perfectionist in high school and I was really disconnected from my body and my feelings. Um, so it's just, um, it really kind of this binge eating, the, this separation from my body just it um, affected everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and interesting. Um, I've had Dr. Laura Bryden on the show, and in her book, The Period Repair Manual, she talks about different triggers of PCOS, and one of them is in kind of an inflammatory trigger. Mm, and yes. I think that for me, looking back at my childhood, I, I do think you know, I, I spent a lot of time eating lots of bread and ice cream which now, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive to gluten and dairy. And I think that inflammation could have been a trigger for me. Um, you know, like, and sugar is like one of the most inflammatory foods. So I think you have a good point there. Um, yeah, I think you're right, for sure. And yeah, I mean, I grew up eating the standard American diet. So my breakfast was cereal and fat-free milk and a glass of orange juice. Mm -hmm. So I'm, And I'm sure you're right. And I also now eat gluten-free and dairy-free and have multiple food sensitivities as well. So, um, so uh, you know, as I progressed um, into... Um, high school and college, then, uh, you know, I was, um, of course, disturbed. I, I actually really didn't have a normal menstrual cycle. So I would go like a year between periods. And um, uh, then when I got to college, then I was put on birth control. And so um, that was the way that I 
you know, put a Band-Aid on my PCOS symptoms for about 15 years. And, you know, looking back on it, I just so wish I had tried to use the lifestyle techniques instead of the birth control pill, just because then that, um, I think that affected my, uh, like my my gut permeability because then I ended up having like leaky gut and um, having uh, like thyroid issues um, once I came off the birth control pill. Um, so, you know, it, it really just was a Band-Aid. So when I came off the birth control pill, then I was, I was 35 years old. So I fast forward and then my PCOS as symptoms that were kind of under control while I was on the pill, they um, really did come back. And um, then I had, I did have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which um, required like annual monitoring. And then at a certain point, uh, I think I was about 37. So about five years ago, um, then I had some nodules on my thyroid they were biopsied and found to have cancer so I ended up having my thyroid removed and interestingly um, going through that process of having thyroid cancer I then um, that came the development of a second eating disorder so the binge eating disorder had kind of been in my past um, you know, over the years, I had gotten married, and I um, met a really supportive man, my husband, and I had started to adopt really more of a balanced lifestyle. But then after this um, cancer situation, so again, that was about five years ago, um, I had been hearing about um, like a vegan diet and a, a plant-based diet, like um, kind of on the extreme side, where... And, and fasting, like doing those kinds of things to prevent cancer from recurring. And I bring that up because, um, you know, looking back on it, it, it was kind of an extreme situation, and that really brought up, like, those old eating disorder tendencies. And so, um, you know, now when – because I work kind of in the same health space as you do, Amy, and when I hear about, like, kind of extreme diets, like keto diet mm -hmm. or – I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, like a really extreme plant-based diet that kind of takes out, you know, all animal protein. It can be triggering for old eating disorder tendencies. So I think it's great if, um, you know, you're listening and maybe – you are drawn to an extreme diet and you've had um, issues with eating disorders in the past, that can be kind of a red flag because I learned the hard way because then I really developed um, a second round of eating disorder, which was orthorexia, which is a kind of an unhealthy fixation on eating healthy foods. And then it ended up, you know, I became underweight. I lost my period again, this time to hypothalamic amenorrhea, so I really wasn't eating enough to support my hormones, um, and exercise bulimia, which is I was exercising up to three hours a day because I wanted, I thought if I stayed skinny enough and I didn't eat, you know, even one bite of anything remotely, you know, what I considered bad, then that would prevent my cancer from coming back. Mm -hmm. And actually it ended up um, 
not being a, a good strategy for me because as I mentioned, I lost my period. I lost too much weight. Um, and you probably had some adrenal fatigue after oh, all of definitely, that. Definitely. Definitely. And so, you know, that was about, um, about three to four years ago. And Amy, I just, at a certain point, I just, I could see like my life slipping away. And I mean, honestly, I had like no motivation, no energy. I was like, I was a cancer survivor and I was, I was just so ill and I was so confused. And that's when I really, I dug deep. I delved into like the PCOS management, a balanced life. I brought back animal protein into my diet and balanced my blood sugar. I ended up, you know, regaining weight, but actually gaining back about 10 pounds um, restored my my menstrual cycle, and it really helped rebalance my hormones. Mm. You know, something that, that I'm hearing, like, in your story um, that just r- reminded me of, you know, my own story and what I hear from a lot of women who are kind of, you know, fixated on on diets um, and all of the foods that you can't have. I feel like we leave out, and also sort of that, um, exercising um, to in a, in a way to punish yourself mm-hmm. um, is like we, we we lose the the concept that we deserve pleasure, you know, in our lives, and it's okay to eat something that is really pleasurable, you know, that we don't have to deny, 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 and we can find um, a balance, and I think it is about balance, where we can add something in that's really delicious and really pleasurable once in a while. It's like that Pareto's principle, right? It's like moderation and sustainability and making room for, for things that feel good. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, when I was in kind of the depths of this second round of eating disorder, which I was really just so afraid of food, I would not go out with friends to restaurants because I, it was like a loss of control over maybe how much I would eat or the, you know, the ingredients or whatever excuse I would come up with. And, and now, you know, that I'm in a much healthier place, I, get so much enjoyment with going out with friends to a restaurant and just spending that time with with friends and then taking a break from you know doing all the cooking at home it's it's been so um rewarding to be in this healthier place now and to yeah be able to give myself that time with friends and and like that um uh just being able to afford myself um yeah like that grace to just say i'm going to go to this restaurant and enjoy it it's maybe it's not perfect maybe it's not what i would eat at home but i just you know i do it and i enjoy it and i don't even think about it anymore yeah i think um i I remember thinking to myself the amount of brain power i spend on obsessing about food um if i could take that and put that into some other outlet I mean, I could change the world. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, and you are. 
Um, and, and you know what, and I, and I feel very blessed that I've been able to move beyond. I mean, I, I had a lot of issues with um, compulsive overeating, and I think a lot of it was tied to that, like, again, that feeling of perfectionism, but my blood sugar issues. But it's such a, um, now that everything is imbalanced, such a beautiful feeling to feel free from it all. Um, and not to say that I've got to watch out for triggers. Um, certainly potato chips are a big trigger for me. <laughs> I can't eat potato chips. Um, but I know that now. You know, you, you learn what, what things can trigger you and, um, and how you need to live to maintain balance. And I'd love for you to kind of share some of your ahas that you had um, you know, with it, you kind of talked about your journey. Um, what helped you move towards healing? Well, I mean, um, I think a huge, huge component of this has been healing my relationship with myself. And I had to, you know, I'll be honest with you, I had to work with an eating disorder specialist. I had to work um, I spent some time in a telegroup that was all about learning how to manage my feelings. Mm -hmm. um, I worked with a dietitian, mm -hmm. and then I now work with a functional medicine physician on the on the food side. Um, but healing that relationship with myself um, was probably. Um, one of the the biggest components of that. I mean, when yeah. when I was a child and like this binge eating, that was a way. Um, like I've heard this expression a lot of numbing out, mm -hmm. and um, so that was the way. You know, eating massive amounts of candy, um, like curled up on my bed. Um, that was my way of of numbing the emotions, all the fear that I had around what was happening um, with my family. And then later, you know, after go going through the thyroid cancer situation, um, it was like almost like the opposite, like not eating was my way of um, managing the fear of like, you know, the fear of the cancer coming back. Well, it was like something you could control in a situation that felt very uncontrollable, right? Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I mean, like healing, so like healing this relationship with myself, realizing that like this voice in my head is not the enemy, but um, like the voice in my head, I try to use when I speak to myself now, I try to speak like as if I'm talking to um, like my cat who I adore or I have two cats actually, um, or like the voice that I speak to, um, like my husband, you know, it's like a very loving voice. And so I had to change that voice in my head from uh, honestly, like a really harsh, critical voice to a loving, um, like very kind voice. And that, that helped a lot. And it's something I have to work on every day. Can I, can I share a um, couple things about that. Um, so I'm reading The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer right now. Mm -hmm. And he has a concept in there that was like a huge aha for me. He said that voice in your, you are not the voice in your head. You are the observer of the voice. And that was so powerful to me. Like I can sort of pick and choose 
who I want to listen to, <laughs> you know, it's like who, what, what voice is speaking to me? And you don't have to listen to that mean voice anymore. And, and, and another thing that I think is really powerful too, and I do this in my jumpstart program is find a picture of yourself when you were, I don't know, I think about my daughter when she was four years old, she was just really like this little cherub. So find a picture of yourself when you're four and would you ever, ever speak to that little girl in the way that you often speak to yourself? I know. It's so hard, especially mm-hmm. if you were spoken to in a harsh way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, like maybe, um, I mean, I don't know that I was um, taught, like, I don't know if my mother spoke, like, you know, my my mother... I think had these same harsh issues and then I was kind of like um, taught that that's that should be the voice in my head so anyways it is um, it is a big challenge and then I think another one is learning how to express anger Mm -hmm. sounds kind of funny Um, and it was really scary for me um, to recognize that like anger that I feel during the day is not to be uh, like not I shouldn't I don't have to run away from that like anger is as valid of an emotion as joy mm-hmm. or um, you know gratitude and you know, we hear so much about like gratitude journaling which I think is is totally valid but I'm sorry if I'm having a horrible day like the last thing I want to do is sit down and write like some <clears throat> BS list of like oh, I'm grateful for the sunrise like I'm not feeling it maybe I'm feeling really angry but I was not taught that anger is like an acceptable emotion and there was a lot of anger and rage and um yeah, like unexpressed emotion in my household growing up, especially because it was so um, high stress. And so like, whenever I sensed anger in my parents, I would, I would retreat from that. And that was another emotion that I covered up with food. Um, And so now, like learning how to, to manage my anger and to express it and that it's not to be like covered up. That has been really um, powerful for my recovery. And actually, the way that I do it, I mean, because I'm not like, you know, flipping people off on the freeway, I'm, I'm doing that through journaling. So I'm mm-hmm. allowing myself to express, like, nobody mm-hmm. reads my journal, it's private, so I can write, you know, I hate this, I, and like, use swear words, and like, it's fine, like, get it out, and then I feel so much better. And it actually, it points me in the direction of, you know, usually ends up because I'm feeling um, like disempowered about something. And so like my anger, when I express it, then it points me in a direction of some something I can actually do about it. And mm-hmm. so in that way, it can be empowering and it, it makes it, um, it almost like it just gives me an actionable step. There, there's a really great book called The Yoga of Eating. Um, oh. I think it's called, I think it's Charles Einstein that wrote it. I have to double check. Um, but he has a really great exercise in there about um, feeling your emotions and 
um, when you kind of have that, that craving, sort of that binge craving to just sit with it for a while, like you, and kind of like feel like, kind of like chat with the craving, like, um, or the emotion, like you're having a friend over for tea, um, where you, you're kind of looking at it from sort of a third party view. Um, and then he also says how your emotions, you know, kind of like a wave, you know, peak and crest and um, subside. Like you can't maintain that strong anger um, emotion forever. So if you can just sort of ride it like a wave and not be afraid of it um, and let it go, I think that that is is so healing and doing that through journaling like you suggested is is excellent but i think you probably could see how those 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 feelings do crest right oh absolutely and you know and it's not just anger it could be sadness it could be grief it could be fear um you know fear is a huge one for me it could be guilt um you know i think so many of, of us who have PCOS, um, you know, we've had, like for me, you know, I abused my body for so long. So there's a lot of like guilt and then shame. And so if I can like get in touch with that, um, you know, like uh, that's just can be, once I, once I feel it, then I can move past it. But if I'm not like allowing myself to feel it, then yeah, I just get stuck in it. So what's working for you now um, and, and is helping you thrive with PCOS in terms of diet and exercise? Yeah, so I have come back to a very much more uh, like in the middle, like, you know, I used to kind of laugh when I heard like, you know, like everything in moderation. I mean, in a way that does apply. And I know like that can be hard for those of us, of us with PCOS because, um, you know, maybe we do need to stay gluten-free, which I try, dairy-free, which I do really try. But you like, I'm, I try. It's not like, it's not like, um, like so black and white where it was before. And it's my choice. I'm, yes, tried I love to, that. yeah. So <laughs> I like to call it clean eating. That's why mm -hmm. I named my website and um, clean eating kitchen. So it, it can vary for, um, for every woman. Um, mm -hmm. I know you've mentioned recently that you found you had an egg sensitivity and mm -hmm. I have that as well. But you know, for plenty of women, eggs can be very nourishing and a, you know, a wonderful addition to the diet. Um, so like this, just clean eating, kind of um, figuring out what works for me um, approach. Now that is like how I look at diet now. And, um, and then as far as exercise, um, I definitely had to take a huge step back and realize, um, you know, how was exercise going to be part of like a sustainable health recovery? And so what I like to ask myself now is with every workout at the end, I say, um, do I feel better now at the end than I did when I came into the gym? Or, you know, at the start of whatever activity I'm doing. And so if the answer is no, 
if you know I feel exhausted or mm -hmm. I feel sick, then I know the next time I need to make some changes. And so for me, what that looks like is um, I would say about like 45 minutes of medium exercise about every, you know, like I would say five to six days a week, but really just depends. There's a, I do a lot more strength training now and I don't do a lot of cardio. I do like the minimal amount of cardio just to help my heart um, and my blood, you know, like balance my blood sugar, bring down my blood pressure. But I really like to focus on strength training. And I usually don't feel, I mean, I usually do feel better. So I don't feel exhausted after a workout. And that's really kind of my benchmark. That That's excellent advice. And, and I think, you know, in terms of diet, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it's, it, it, we're all unique. You have to figure out what works for you. Um, I think like under that framework of clean eating, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what you mean by clean eating, you know. Yeah, I know it's kind of an interesting term and I know some people don't like it and it can be like a little, like it kind of puts a moral like, oh, clean versus dirty. And um, I don't know, I don't see it like that. I see it as like real whole foods. Um, I do try to eat organic and sustainable, but you know, it's like I'd rather eat um, a vegetable, any vegetable than right mm -hmm. <laughs> so um uh yeah i mean so i just think of it as clean real foods um based on an individual's needs and then trying for organic and sustainable options as much as possible yeah and and i like what you said too about if you have something it's um that might be off plan it's because it's your choice i mean for me yes. there's there's um this wonderful restaurant in town that has this brick fired um, pizza that's just to die for. And, you know, we went there for my husband's birthday and you know what? I had a piece of pizza with gluten and dairy and it was delicious. And I knew that I would probably feel kind of crappy later. Um, and I did, but I enjoyed every single moment of eating that um, because it was a, a special occasion and I was living in the moment very mindfully indulging and it was my choice um, and it was right for that moment and I think that that's a powerful way to to live oh I think so too and actually you know a lot of us we start to feel overly restricted you know mm -hmm. eating gluten and dairy free is a restricted diet and even you know like i don't even avoid i i do i don't crave sugar anymore mm -hmm. but after lunch i like a little treat so i've mm -hmm. all even have um like these little okay so my binge food used to be peanut butter cups mm -hmm. um when i was young and so now there are like quote-unquote healthier options where the little peanut butter cups are made with dark chocolate and they you know maybe have better oils than before so I can eat one or two of those and I don't feel crappy um, and I don't feel like my blood sugar is out of control and I don't want to binge and so in a way it's kind of cool that I yeah. can I can kind of like mark my progress by having treats and seeing that um, like I can enjoy them. I can not go overboard 
and I cannot feel crappy. You know, it doesn't apply to everything, but it's right. worth experimenting. Yeah, it's definitely worth experimenting with. And it's, um, it, it allows this way of living to be sustainable. You know, you can live like this over, the, you know, eating in sort of this clean eating framework um, where it's not super restrictive like some of these other diets, um, you know, the paleo, vegan, uh, well, not paleo, I, I'm thinking more of like maybe the keto, um, vegan, uh, over the course of a lifetime, because as women with PCOS, we have to manage this over a course of a lifetime. It's not just going on a quick fix diet um, for a few months. And also, I love what you said about the exercise and the way you sort of experiment with it. And if you're feeling exhausted, um, you back off and you listen to your body and and you listen to the cues that's giving you because you shouldn't feel exhausted after um, after exercise. I, that's I, I just don't think that's a good sign that we're being helpful to our bodies. Yep, I so agree. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I just wanted to say, kind of, um, I know we're kind of coming to the end of our time together, and I just want to say, like, if there is any silver lining to um, having PCOS and um, having had it for so long, I would say that if I hadn't had it, then I wouldn't have learned to listen to my, like, Mm -hmm. these signals that my body gives to me. And, like, I look at, um, like, some women in my family who have, um, like problems with alcohol or, um, you know, and they're older than me. And so they've never like really figured out those signals with their body and um, like learning to kind of like trust their emotions and trust mm-hmm. their body. And I think that could have been me if I hadn't had PCOS, but it's kind of, I mean, it's definitely forced me to um, build that connection and, and really trust my body and trust in being able to heal and the fact that I have healed is just so um, empowering for like future, you know, future health issues that I'm, you know, like going into menopause, I'm sure there are going to be challenges or things like that. But so uh, like that's the silver lining that I've built this relationship with myself. And so I just want to share that message with women. Yeah, that's, that, that's beautiful. I, I think if women listening maybe have just been diagnosed or really struggling to, to maybe reframe their diagnosis as kind of this wake-up call. I know I received it, and, um, you know, it's been a long journey, but I feel blessed that I had the struggle um, because I am a much stronger woman and um, certainly more in touch with myself and... Um, more compassionate with others as as a result, and and I know you are too, Carrie. So um, it, it can really be a blessing and a gift. Wow! Yeah, I can't say that my mindset is there yet, but I admire for you, and I know you're saying that um, with full confidence. And I hope to get to that point. You know, I can see that it's a silver lining, but I, mean, I have mm-hmm. to keep working on on the idea that it was a gift. Oh, <laughs> it's been okay. such a challenge. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, 
So before we leave, do you have any other kind of final tips or resources um, to, to help women in their PCOS journey? Um, I would just say that um, I, cre I did create my own podcast um, in the last few months, and it's called Clean Eating for Women. So that's kind of where I'm digging in deeper on this idea of clean eating and how it applies or how other women are, are kind of living this way. And so I do interviews as well, and it's really fun because all the other women that I've met um, online is now I'm bringing them on my podcast and it's so fun to hear their stories and many of whom have had PCOS um, or eating disorders and so we kind of also explore this idea of of balancing like um, really wanting to have optimal health versus uh, you know not going overboard so that's mm -hmm. that's um, an interesting line that that I like to explore on my podcast well please tell people where they can follow you on social media because and as I mentioned in the beginning of the show you share some of the, the best like recipes and cooking videos and um, I, I really enjoy following you so oh thank you yeah, yeah and I I know you're talking about my Facebook page, which is mm -hmm. Clean Eating Carrie. It's C-A-R-R-I-E. And that is a really fun place to share um, the gluten and dairy-free videos usually. So that's a really fun place for inspiration. And then I love Instagram. I think it's so fun. Um, and that's also Clean Eating Carrie. And then kind of my hub where everything, you know, you can find all the links and everything is my website, Clean Eating Kitchen. And I've been trying to put up new blog posts um, every day. So I just want to be a resource um, like you, Amy, for inspiring women to um, like take these, you know, big steps or baby steps or anything in between, but know that they're supported and there's resources out there. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your powerful story with us, Carrie. It's, um, it, it's just really been a pleasure. Well, it's an honor to speak with you, Amy, and thank you for all of your hard work. Well, it, it, again, it's a pleasure, and, um, and, I, and I really appreciate everybody who listens. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and learned a little something that can help you along in your journey. For more information about PCOS and PCOS Diva products and programs, visit PCOSDiva.com. This podcast was sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS. It's my proven 21-day diet and lifestyle plan to help women with PCOS take back control of their health and resolve their symptoms. Healing PCOS offers you daily, small, manageable steps that help alleviate symptoms and control the inflammation, hormonal imbalance, and insulin resistance that underlie PCOS. The 21-day plan consists of a 21-day anti-inflammatory hormone-balancing meal plan, including meal prep and plan-ahead tips to make eating like a PCOS diva sustainable, 85 delicious recipes, daily lessons, and self-care exercises. I have helped tens of thousands of women with PCOS take back control over their health, 
and their lives through lasting healing and sustainable lifestyle change. So whether you're newly diagnosed or have struggled a lifetime with PCOS, this book is for you. Find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold.